Oh, okay. Then I'm going to go sit on the couch. Hi, this is Kelly. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. <laughs> Great. As if we didn't start before. Okay. Do we want to do like a um, short disclaimer, the reason that we're not talking about what's going on in this world right now, but instead we're talking about things that might seem a little peripheral to what's like really stressing people out. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. However, I think we're both maybe somewhat exhausted by everything that's going on. I know I certainly am and just reading the news every day and, and trying to keep up with everything. So I think we're using this as a time to kind of just take a break from all of that and not, not trying to, um, diminish what's happening in the world, but just giving somewhat of a, I don't know, not even comic relief, but just some sort of relief from all the, the tension and the hardship that's occurring mm -hmm. at the moment. Yeah. And maybe we will talk about something that's relevant the next time. I also feel like we committed to this topic. We prepared we, to some we extent. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe next time we'll talk about something that's kind of related to what's going on in a way that we're not going to tackle any of the numbers or um, in a very, we're not going to make any predictions about the virus or the economy. I don't think we're in. Oh, do you have predictions to share? I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like all my experiments, my predictions don't work. <laughs> so. Sometimes they do. You have to be hopeful. You have to be hopeful. Um, yeah. But yeah, but we can definitely do something that's a bit more topical and a bit mm -hmm. more related given that um, it, it, what's happening is certainly, I think, on our on our minds recently. But yes, but today I think we wanted to focus on what he had mentioned um, in our last episode, which uh, for me at least was a real joy to listen to and to revisit because we recorded uh a few months ago and it was just like such a compared to now it seemed like such a carefree and happy time and so it was like really lovely to sit back and listen and just think about um the excitement that we had uh at that point in time and like what what we're doing moving forward and where we were in our lives and now obviously everything is different uh and perhaps a bit harder than it was back then um but so we're i think we're excited or at least i'm excited to move forward and um, to continue this just because it's kind of like a living diary almost, right? Or like an audio diary, which I'm not a diary person. So I don't really like, I don't know, I've ever been moved to record um, my like daily happenings or anything like that. But I, I don't know, there's, a, there's some sense of like excitement that comes from looking back and thinking back and then being where you are today, even if it is only a few months. So I don't know if you feel similarly or Welcome to Is It Just Us? Where two human beings discuss and try to solve mostly inconsequential problems in their lives. This is Tianyu. And this is Kelly. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I also had the feeling when I was listening back to what we were talking about that maybe it feels like everything has changed in some ways but not not in a way that 
what we want or what we hope for life has changed that much. It's just we had the sudden feeling that a lot of our, not really goals, but the general feeling that we were hoping for is kind of um, distant from us right now because of what's happening. We didn't mention that, I think, but we did like a tiny New Year celebration almost three months ago now, more than three months ago now. And I still remember we're on the top of this tiny hill looking at the fireworks <laughs> and having that feeling like this is going to be an amazing year. <laughs> but I think it's still, it's actually relevant to what we wanted to talk about, I think, because we, at the end of our last episode, we were mentioning that we We've been having some struggles, let not, let's not emphasize or <laughs> with like letting things go. I think things in a sense that it can be people, it can be things we work on, it can be our hopes and dreams. Um, or, or like sometimes people identify with goals so strongly, it's really hard to suddenly realize that there are uh, situations when you realize the goals that you identified with before are n- just not suitable anymore. I think letting that goal is also really, really difficult. Um, so yeah, what, what have you been reading about or thinking about relevant to that? Yes. Um, so I have two things that I wanted to share in particular. And so um, they, I don't know, it's just things that kind of like provoked thought. And so the first is this book that I read a couple weeks ago, and um, it's called so it's a Jody Picoult book, which like honestly it kind of kills me to admit that because I like to think of myself. So I studied literature in college, and I like to think of myself as someone who like really appreciates good literature. And not that Jody Picoult isn't good literature, but I don't think it's not in, like it's not categorized as the same as like classical literature, um, like Emily Bronte or Jane Austen or um, James Joyce or things like that, which are the things that I feel like I should be reading, but at the moment I just don't have the mental energy for. Um, And so I read books that are for me a little bit easier to get through um, and they really um, allow me to kind of escape, which I really love. And so this book was called Leaving Time by Jodi Picoult. Um, and like all of her reads, it was a very quick read. It was an entertaining read. I very much enjoyed it. Um, but something that, so kind of like the premise of this book, and honestly, I didn't look at the research behind this. I'm not actually sure if this is true or not, but I feel like she usually bases uh, her storylines on true facts. So I'm just going to go with her on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> and so like, kind of in the background of the story, and part of the story is about elephants. And so people know that elephants have very good memories. Um, mm-hmm. But a character in this book uh, was apparently doing research, like postdoctoral research on, or maybe just on her PhD, I'm not really sure at this point, but um, on grief in elephants. Um, it was interesting. And so one of the big differences between human and elephant grief um, was that humans tend to uh, grasp onto things and hold on to them for a, a much longer time. But in this book, at least how it was portrayed, was that elephants would grieve very hard and very intensely for a few days. And then they were able to kind of like shut it all off and move on and still mm-hmm. revisit the past and um, like go to the places where like people in their herd had died or things like that. Mm-hmm. but go in a more positive way and not be kind of like 
pulled down with grief anymore. And it was just like this very like small uh, temporal sequence of grieving. And then it was like, that was compartmentalized in a sense. And then the elephants move on and they're able to like live their lives and things like that. Um, which is really interesting given the fact that elephants apparently have like incredibly good memory. So it's not like they've just forgotten their past memory. And in this book, it was portrayed that the elephants would again, like go back and visit and like would certainly remember um, these people who were at the center of their grief. But it was somewhat different from humans that humans, I think, tend to just like, as we suffer from, like hold on to things much longer than they necessarily need to be. And so I was thinking about it a lot. And I thought that was like a really kind of lovely thing to be able to remember, but not grieve. And um, then I was doing a bunch of work this week when I had to review all this literature, um, a lot of it on social connectedness and loneliness um, and isolation and things like that. And so within those topics came um, up the phenomenon of nostalgia. And nostalgia is actually a really interesting thing. So when people are lonely or when they're feeling disconnected from other people, they'll often um, uh, like take part in nostalgic thinking. Mm -hmm. And then there are uh, papers that show that there are positive consequences to nostalgia. And even things that like eating chicken soup or like eating comfort food that would bring back childhood memories um, have beneficial consequences. And so I, I um, in light of all of this, I started to think about, okay, so how can I, maybe I need to reframe how I've thought about my like so-called issue with not being able to let go of things. I don't think it's good to necessarily like, hold on to something so tightly that it uh, hinders your ability to move forward. Mm -hmm. I still stand by that, but I think it's a really interesting um, perspective to take or, or kind of an angle to think about, can I still remember? Can I enjoy memories of the past, but not grieve because they're gone? And I think that's the kind of like the sweet spot that I've, um, for the past now, whatever, like five days that I've come to this realization that I've been trying to work towards and that it's not about completely kicking people or goals or, or things out of your life and never thinking about them ever again, because I think that is completely like, fairly unrealistic, at least for me. But is there a way that I can incorporate the good memories or incorporate um, how these experiences or these things have played a role in bringing me to who I am now? Mm -hmm. without still feeling that like pain of them not being part of my life today. Uh, and so I think for me, keeping that in mind moving forward is, is actually something that's, um, could be quite powerful and think about, okay, all these one to have like self-compassion and realizing that like, yeah, if people or things are important to you. It's unlikely that you're just going to forget about them or like <laughs> that you can just like, you know, get rid of them in the future. I think that's hard. And so understanding that like, yes, they'll be there to stay, but reframing them in a way that they're um, seen as a positive aspect of your past and not something that's holding you back um, mm -hmm. it is, I think, a great thing. And I think a much more realistic way of dealing with these past memories. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I've learned. And that's what I've been thinking about. And that's what I'm hoping to kind of keep in mind moving forward. We'll see how it how it works but yeah so yeah I have a few thoughts when you were rambling tell me your thoughts tell me all <laughs> about elephants so I think <laughs> first thing about 
nostalgia because I, I was telling you that I ordered lunch from this place that we we've been I think we've been there once right the area multiple times but Kelly and I used to go to this area that we really like once we had brunch there and because now everywhere is closed down um, but they still do delivery so I ordered food from that restaurant and even as I was browsing through the menu, I had like those flashbacks about how we spent that, I think was a super long lunch. And even after the lunch, it was exactly the day that we got lost mm-hmm. um, on our way to like, wanted to get coffee at a second place. So we went to this brunch place first and then we walked for like 30, 40 minutes because of course, Google Maps being so reliable, <laughs> but we... we <laughs> We, we kind of got into like this community, like condo communities that we couldn't really get through. So we have, we had to walk back out of the um, condo and then go to the second place. So all of that just came back to me instantly just because I was like eating their food again or looking at the food items that we ordered before. So, but, but I was thinking that how different it is from comparing to maybe if it were not a really happy memory and if you have any sort of like memories associated with things that are unhappy, um, it's not just because you're unhappy at the moment. You feel like your emotions are still at that stage that is changing how you might make decisions in the future. I think that's a lot of the things that we fear that might happen. That's why we want to call it an issue because it's not an issue if it doesn't really affect any of our day-to-day or like sometimes uh, our behaviors or decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not an issue. I don't think it's an issue. <laughs> it's just it's just a character, right? Like it's a it's a character. People have just different characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's a true. Trait. That's true. So yeah, I really like the point about. Um, I think even. I know talking about it now seems like making everything lighter as as they are, but maybe yours down the road. If we all s- survived this virus, we could <laughs> we could think back and think about all the times that we could only Zoom, and maybe we have like this really warm and fuzzy, despite all those controversies surrounding Zoom at this moment. But <laughs> but we we knew we had like this this cave living situation where our only channel of communication was zoom and that would be something that that's actually nice looking back and the second thing was um about how we can still hold the kind of feelings that we have but but you know acknowledge that we have those feelings but we can move forward um with them not you know we have to discard them first before moving on something that we have to learn before our actual recording session we had our drinking session of course Um, (laughs) and i was mentioning these days i've been like i'm kind of a little bit intrigued or obsessed with this whole battle between system one and versus system two thinking not it's not even just thinking it's kind of um so for those of you who don't know about the system one versus system two thinking it's basically when people people rely on both ways of thinking about or process information so system one thinking is um bottom-up thinking basically people respond to things immediately almost like it is like people are using instincts to respond to things so in human beings it's like the 
uh, emotions that we experience, episodes of, um, can we call episodes of emotions, fleeting emotions? It's like your yeah. first reactions to an event. It's like when we heard about coronavirus, people f- feel scared. That scare, like feeling scared is a system one kind of response to things. But system two is more deliberate. People have time to process information in a top-down fashion. And um, you get to uh, either you rely on a different type of a schema that your mind also know how to use um, instead of just feeling um, this rush of either shame or fear, um, you get to think about it and uh, use that as kind of like an anchor point and move on. Um, but the problem is a lot of times we don't know what we are using and we don't know when we make decisions or when we react to things, which system we were, we are relying on. And um, I think part of what you were talking about was that uh, whether it's possible to, you know, have all those, experience all those feelings, but at the same time, uh, we don't fully rely on them as evidence to um, base our judgments on or, or use them as evidence purely, I mean, fully use them as um, our source of reasoning or evidence to make other decisions in our lives related to what you were talking about related to elephant. So I've been reading this book. I wasn't really into it initially because it's like one of those New York times uh, bestseller. um, And how can those books be good? Right. Uh, But I still, (laughs) yeah, I, I heard a lot of people recommending it. So, so it's, it's just called happy. It's like, oh, let me tell you how to be happy, right? Like when you, mm. when you read a title like that. But actually, it's mostly <laughs> about, uh, it's mostly about um, the author was uh, introduced in like a brief history to how philosophers pondered about how to be happy um, from thousands of years ago, um, like Socrates and there's this one section specifically uh, about this, the stoicism or the stoic route to uh, basically to um, practice how to become happier. And it's, it's exactly what um, you ended your, not summary, you ended your thoughts with. So this is actually <laughs> from the book. I put out, I think I highlighted it. Oh, wow. You have to share it with you. Oh, my goodness. Showing me up. No, I just. No, go ahead. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, I think. um, So, people's continued existence in our lives is not guaranteed. And to act as if it is, is asking to a misguided presumption of control. Therefore, we must relinquish that feeling of authority and let go of the attachment we might feel. Two powerful positive consequences result from practicing this non-attachment. We learn to value those things more by appreciating their transience in our lives, and we are more prepared for the moment we lose them. Actually, I didn't like the sentences at all when I was reading it because um, it's like those prescriptions that 
they're telling you, okay, it's okay. You know, you just assume that people are going to leave anyway, or things are going to end. Everyone's going to die. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's just really hard to practice. Right. And, um, but the main point was that we have to understand that whether someone's existence, um, is just not within our control. A lot of the emotions, that are revolved around the fact that someone's going to, you know, a person's going to go extinct in our life is because we do feel like there is some control that's on our part that's involved in this event. Um, Actually, then I realized a lot of times it's just, I feel like things I do now, there's a, the way that I react to them in the end in such a strong way is because I think it was because of me. Like there's part of me that that I wouldn't want to let go was because I feel like there's this force that I can exert on either this research or this person or um, this idea of achieving something that's totally because of me. But then I realized maybe it's just not. If I accepted as if I accepted um, what's going on externally in this world, that's just, you know, part of what's going on, but not what, how I make, make it go on might be easier. Um, Not easier. Maybe that's just how it is. Well, then maybe it's just like a locus of control thing. I mean, maybe we just have, we both are, are more, we think that we have more control than we actually do it's more internal than external and in in doing so we expect that experiences for which we are a part of can be altered and can be influenced by our actions right and so then when they don't turn mm-hmm. out the way that we expect them to or, they, like, or things don't go the way that we expect them to it becomes a failure on our part or you it just not even a, a failure seems like kind of a strong word but our actions had something to do with it or yeah. our actions could have done something with it. And, and so it, maybe it's a, a harder pill to swallow for us or and for people who are similar in that they think that they also have like a sense of control and of how their outcomes turn out. It's um, more difficult to imagine or to accept that sometimes you, you just don't have any, like obviously you can't change people, you can't change circumstances. There's a ton that's outside of our control. But if you're used to thinking that you do have control, accepting that you don't, I think is difficult. And I I, I think there's also good things that come from believing that you have control, albeit like, even if that's not true or not. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think maybe that's the reason why it's it's at times so difficult to, to let go as well. I think you, we are in control of our own behaviors, but whether that behavior will elicit a certain reaction from someone is not under our control. I think a lot of the times when we behave in certain ways is because we hope there's this action reaction link that's going to happen. A lot of the times the reaction doesn't happen and we blame ourselves (laughs) for it, but it's not us. Like, I think it's okay. Still what you said is like, it's okay to be sad. Um, And it's okay to know that our sadness is not going to change anything. And it's, um, and that's actually very important. Uh, one, one thing I really, I think you would really enjoy is that this week I was listening to Adam Grant's um, new episode of podcast 
and was like a bonus episode with I don't know if you've heard of her. She's like a well, very well known therapist. Basically, she, I think she used to do therapy for specifically for like personal relationships, but in this specific episode because of Adam Grant, of course, they were talking about work. They were talking about relationships at work. Um, Esther Pearl, I don't know if you know her. Um, no. And so they talked about securities and insecurities a lot. And they also talked about uh, locus of control, general people's need for control. And then it was like, I really loved that episode because they were both like, they were, I think they knew each, they know each other very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but there were two really different people. Uh, and I think basically like, like a therapist, they basically just study how people should respond to system one thinking, like your feelings, uh, your reactions to the world. They study cases. Um, and Adam Grant, as a social scientist, he doesn't care about like individuals. He cares about like what's the aggregated findings. What are, are what are the evidence that we we've learned from like this group of people, and what how can we apply that? Um, and all his research is more on like this rational way of thinking about the world, right? So they're two very mm-hmm. different people, and they were they were really onto each other at some point. But one thing that uh, Adam Grant was saying, oh, he was like, surprisingly to me, like, I wouldn't share a lot of those really, vul- I would call it vulnerable opinions, but he was saying that he thinks he's someone who needs really strong control in his life. That's why he doesn't necessarily believe in personalities, but he does believe that there are what he calls strong traits, one or two, or words, um, strong character that you really that boils down to that one thing that we really care um in your life and for him he thinks it's conscientiousness and he realized why that's the case is because he really want everything to go the way that he expect them to go because he has this need for control so he put the only thing that he can control is the amount of work or effort he put into things. That's why relationships scare him because he realized no matter how much effort he puts in, he could never really predict the outcome. Uh, unlike publishing papers, writing books. Mm-hmm. And so he realized there are two things he really liked to do. One is hard, being like a hard worker. And the second is helping others because he realized if his goal is not really building a relationship, but to help others, then it's achievable, right? Like as long as you're helping others, even though the relationship doesn't go the way you want, you've achieved your goal because your goal is in the help, not really in like building something out of it. Maybe it's not, maybe it's his way of, his defense mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually kind of useful. Like, I don't that think it's a interesting. bad thing. That, yeah, like not like having the relationship be like the be all end all, but having... Because in the end, a relationship either like fails or succeeds, right? And so it's like a very binary and very like one-time outcome that you then have to measure your value against. Whereas like if the the value is placed in something that occurs within the relationship and not the relationship itself, then it, there's a lot more leeway to to succeed, right? Yeah, so which I is think- really powerful. Yeah. It is. And he was just realizing it during 
I think they were recording it in front of live audiences, but he was like, oh, I never realized that's why I, I don't focus on building a relationship, but, you know, helping people. Mm-hmm. And, and he, was, he was asking uh, Esther that, oh, is that what, what, what happened in your, like, therapy sessions that people just realized something? <laughs> it was a really funny conversation, so you should really that's listen cute. to that. Yeah, I will. Yeah, but oh, wow. I think overall, like, at this point in my life, I was, when I was thinking about all of these, I feel like I'm in a really good place comparing to my historic data in my life. (laughs) Um, But also maybe because I don't really, I'm not really under the influence of my, a lot of my emotions or feelings at the moment. It's as if like I'm talking about another person right like I feel right now I'm so in control I'm in such a rational state of mind maybe it's just because I don't feel the things I used to feel and it has been a while that I don't feel those like really strong emotional ups and downs in my life anymore like I've maybe that's why although my hope is that it's because I've grown um (laughs) since which I do feel that way a lot of times. Um, it's that feeling that I know one day that maybe one day I will not be talking to you as frequent as I do now. Of course, there, one day is gonna that day is gonna happen at some point, right? Because now I talk to you so often, and the thought of that is kind of a little bit disheartening. I think, but then I also know that what we have right now is just something that's uh, pure bliss, you know, in this, the kind of world that we're living in. And it's maybe won't last for forever. I mean, who knows? Maybe one day you'll propose to me. Um, (laughs) But, but, but it's, it doesn't take any value out of what we have right now. And this, I think I don't usually have this with people uh, in the past, like I, I keep looking for hints or cues that this relationship is going to move forward or it's going to last or, you know, it's like our day-to-day life as well, right? It's That's a really I, interesting I, point. So it's like, yeah, how, like what happens in the future doesn't necessarily devalue the present, but what happened in the, like, but then what, what eventually... <laughs> now it's all in the past, but like something happens in the past, then the most recent past devalues the more far past. Do you know what I mean? But then it's probably mm. just like a bunch of cognitive dissonance, right? We have to believe that like if a relationship didn't work out or if like a goal didn't work out, it then, it couldn't have been like that important to begin with or couldn't have been that great to begin with, right? Because then it would just be too painful to deal with. But I think it's a really lovely thing for you to say, just just be like, okay, so even though our relationship now might not be the same as it is in the future. It doesn't make it any less or, or, or we shouldn't enjoy it less or we shouldn't be anxious or nervous about what happens in the future, but instead just like enjoy it for what it is at the moment. If I'm not putting words in your mouth, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Because the one thing that will definitely discount this experience is the fear or the, this anxiety about what will happen in the future that will definitely change how we enjoy the current moment right 
We -hmm. don't know what will happen in the future. We don't know what will actually discount our overall or aggregated experience. But at the current moment, when I think about all of those anxieties, I know for sure this counts our current experience. So why do that? And I also do think, be it rationalizing or not, um, it's, it's like the time you spent with someone definitely leaves something within you in some sense. And especially, I think, these days when we're spending so much time alone, a lot of things just, you know, <laughs> I mean, we, we mentioned this in our past uh, Friday cheese and drinking session or me cheese. We both drink. <laughs> That's my new, new obsession in life. Cheese eating, <laughs> cheese devouring. <laughs> so I, I guess I think at this moment I'm in this place where I do feel quite okay with it. I think that's another thing related to when I was listening back to our last episode. I feel like I'm in a really different place right now. Um, And at that point, I also felt I was in a very different place comparing to like a year ago or the same year, the, the first half of that year. But even right now, it just... I, I kind of feel really grounded, um, but in a situation where I used to, would n- I would never feel grounded before. Well, that's really exciting, right? How about you? It's like, I, I, oh. <laughs> I, um, I do, so I had this uh, dream a couple days ago, which actually really surprised me. Um, mm. And so in the dream, I had, I guess, like finished the program that we're pursuing now. And then I was jobless and I had to like go somewhere else and get a job or like do something else. Um, And I was actually, I was really sad about it. And then at the end of the dream, I was like, oh no, I can just like go back to where I was living before. And I actually have another year to get things done. And there was such relief in that, in some sense. And that was when, wait, that was at the end of the dream or? Up, at the end of the dream, up? there was like, no, at the end of the dream, it was like, oh, actually, like, there's this option as well. Like, you don't, like, you'll be okay. You can, like, go back to where you were. And so I, then I woke up and I was, like, still thinking about this. And um, it was interesting just because I think it reinforces the sense of, um like being settled that I have where I am, which to be honest, I'm still getting used to. So I, um, for, I guess the past like 10 years, I've never been anywhere more than like two or three years, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like exciting because you get to meet a lot of people and you get to be in a lot of different places and do a lot of different things. But it's also, it becomes fairly exhausting um, pretty quickly. And I think it also hinders your relationships and just that it's, it's difficult to, um, keep like meeting people and then leaving and then meeting people and leaving. So I think for me, it's certainly taking its toll. And so the, the place where I am now, like the physical place that I am now, I've been here almost three years, um, which is like, you know, getting on to like the longest that I've been somewhere. Uh, and I am planning to be here at least another two years, if not three years, which is, also like seeing as like, oh, I'm only, you know, like 50 or 60% done with the place I'm living right now. It like definitely gives a sense of like, I'm here and I'm here to stay for a while now. And so it's, um, 
not bittersweet, but it's all like, I'm, I'm not in love with the place that I'm in right now, but there is a sense of, um, same continue, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that's really nice about thinking about like, yeah, Oh, this is yeah. home. And like, I have like, my life is here and that I've, um, done enough to create a life that I would actually feel like I would miss this life and wherever the next place I, I move is. For me, at least a triumph that I've done enough to feel settled enough in a place that I know when I leave, I'm going to miss that place, despite the fact that I don't love the place that I am. So, so in that sense, I feel like I'm in a different place because I've, I'm like coming to terms with that, which is, and I'm feeling more comfortable with that and kind of trying to understand what that means and who I am and like how that's going to set me up for wherever I go next. But so I guess like long story short, yeah, I do feel a bit differently than I did the last time we recorded. Yeah. Or even like, you know, for the last six months or whatever, or the last, within the last year, it's, it's been a change. Yeah. It's like last time when we're, when we're still able to meet up, you're saying like you're in the cab and then you realized that you knew where you were in terms of like the geographic location inside the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I haven't been in the same place for this long in a while as well. And I have this feeling that I will miss the city, but I don't know which part exactly yet. Um, and I also don't know how much is it because of the people or is it because of where we are exactly where we are right now. But of course, it's the combination of both. And mm-hmm. I think that means we are actually having a pretty good, we're enjoying our life to some extent. That's why we, 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 we know we, we will miss this. Despite all of these things going around us, all those uncertainties. Um, yeah, so I think we're, long story short, we're living a good <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. Okay, <laughs> do you want to talk about some discoveries? So I'm trying out this new section with Kelly. So we talk about some new discoveries about the world, about ourselves um, between now and the last time we talked. So my discovery, one of them, not all of them, one of them is um, <laughs> I realize I really like plums. So I, I, so these days when I go to do my groceries, I realize there are not a lot of choices in terms of fruits and fresh vegetables. So I've been buying the first time I bought plums was just by accident because I think there were only plums left but so I I, I bought like a box and finished it within two days I mean granted that I finished food really fast still and so so black ones or red ones I like them both that's my new discovery oh both of them you don't discriminate I like the black ones better okay the red ones are more yeah, they're sweeter, I think. Okay. That makes sense. Um, that's a great discovery. I um okay, I'll do a non-fruit related discovery. Um so I think my discovery in the past couple weeks are just, just how much I um so so in the past couple weeks because I haven't I've been working from home and I haven't been as social as uh usual. I've um, really uh, kind of like rediscovered my appreciation for um, 
like an escape. And so I've been reading a little bit more than usual and I've like forgotten, like I, I've always loved to read and things like that, but oftentimes I forgot, like forget how much I love to read and it kind of goes by the wayside and I don't like read for fun um, as often as I should. And so I've been able to get back more into that. And so just to like sit in one place and be able to read for hours on end and just get like completely taken off into a new place is so, um, like replenishing and rejuvenating in a sense. And it just like, there's something so wonderful about being able to just like read a book and be transported into like wherever else you want to be. Um, so that that's, I don't know, just been like a really lovely kind of rediscovery that I've had. It's something that I know, but it's just uh, something that I, I often lose sight of when I get busy doing other things um, that are also important but that don't need a lot of time for sitting and, and letting my mind wander and, and reading and things like that. I really liked your discovery last week. You didn't say it at, like when we met up, you didn't mention it as your discovery. You were saying that now, since we're nobody can organize anything, there's no this pressure of everyone is doing something like it's not FOMO, but it's, it's like nobody's trying to have a life. Right. So you don't feel like you need to try as well. I think I feel like I feel like when I these days, my biggest discovery is that I realize first how much I don't need social. It's like a huge pressure on myself. So I, I learned to be like a very sociable person over the years. Oh, I mean, I think I'm a sociable person. Um, you are. You are. Just, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I do train myself to be to be able to have more energy to socialize over the past like five years. I think it's like being influenced by the whole American culture, not to put that on you, um, <laughs> but, uh, or your, or your culture. My but, culture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did see myself progress a lot on that dimension, but I also realized being at home alone, I think that's another discovery I actually wrote down. I recommend you for next week. You write down your discoveries. Um, Ooh, is that, that's a good idea. Being at home makes me realize how much of what I usually do is just for others, like including trying to be more outgoing than I'm. I mean, it's good sometimes to force yourself out of your comfort zone and be someone who's contributing to other people's social well-beings, right? I think it's good. You should do that. Everyone should do that once in a while. But I also realized how much of that I've been doing just because, uh, you know, there, there's the presence of others. And you, if you compare yourself now, your isolated self with, your, with yourself that has to be in front of someone. And I guess like the first couple of weeks, the things that you don't do anymore or you cease doing are the ones that you, you probably really don't like doing uh, normally. Because <laughs> there's certain <laughs> things that they're still a habit, right? You still do them, which means that mm -hmm. they're fine. Like you, they've been in integrated into your lives. That's my other thing. Yeah, I think, I, I think so. Yeah, I definitely have the discovery that I'm, I'm very happy at home by myself, not talking to anyone. Um, and then this week I read all this, this literature and this research on social connection. And basically, I mean, the, the big takeaway from like, you know, hundreds of years of research, uh, thousands of articles is that like, obviously humans are social animals and we need social connection um, to survive and to thrive. And so I guess perhaps my new discovery then off of that is that 
I'm um, one of the like a lucky enough person to know that even if I'm not in contact with people every day that I do, I am socially connected to people, right? So I can be alone and I can be uh, disconnected in like a superficial realm and still not be lonely because I know there are people who care. I know there are people who I can turn to. I know there are people that I could like reach out to um, if I wanted to and if I needed to. So um, maybe like an interesting um, realization is that it's, I'm, and, and I, I would assume you feel the same, that we're fortunate enough to, even though we don't have to be in contact, constant contact with people and um, see them physically or even virtually, that there are people in our lives that we are connected to and that that's enough, right? Yeah. I think those, you can call it mental companionship in some sense. Oh, this actually, <laughs> and the Adam Grant podcast, Esther Perel also mentioned this. She's, she was saying the fundamental way of people feeling secure is that um, the other people or the person I really care about is within myself. So even though I don't see that person, I do, I'm not interacting with that person constantly because that person is always with me, within me. So you feel this sense of security. I mm -hmm. think that's what I, I have. For example, with you, I know I don't have to always check what you're doing. When I text you, at some point you would text back. And I don't need to worry about that. And in a sense that when you, even when you're not around me, I feel your presence which is why I feel very secure with you. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like revealing all my, all, all my your affection. secrets. All your, I know, I know all it's so nice to hear. <laughs> That's what I do when I run and listen to other people's podcasts. It's like, I think about my life. I yeah. live vicariously through them and think vicariously through them. So I think that's really nice. And maybe we can talk about something related to this next week since you also just done your you did like this thorough literature review <laughs> so it's kind of like for me the question is how do I knowing I'm a social creature feel happier when not being social so it's kind of like reconciling these two these two parts so I think that it kind of plays into a bigger dialogue recently on um introversion and extroversion I'm kind of sick of the whole thing well, you, you know that I, I I only so I've been using Twitter these days and because I realized there's so many things happening on there I don't know why I don't know how <laughs> that happened but but there's this huge debate about introversion and extroversion on Twitter that people are like I hate this you know this bipolar um, definition of categorizing people. Oh, that's interesting. So my hatred doesn't stem from the, I guess, the categorization. I guess it's just like the, um, the contracts that, that end up being associated with introversion and extroversion are correlated, but not completely identical. And I think so, like, a, there's a lot of misinterpretation. Um, and then also there's a, a, I think, a push recently to appreciate um, especially in Western society to appreciate introverts. Um, and so it's just something that I've been thinking about for probably the past like year or two. Um, and I know there's like a lot of memes and everything now with like quarantine and, and lockdowns that like introverts are so happy because they don't have to uh, like talk to anyone anymore and yada, yada, yada. So 
it's just, I don't know, I guess I'm thinking about like how, um, I don't know, maybe like how do people in general, given their different dispositions towards socializing, um, like fulfill their social needs? Yeah, or I've been actually wondering what does being alone really mean these days? You know, it's we're that alone. That seems so much more philosophical. No, no. <laughs> so that's not a great topic. No, but maybe that. May, so, like, what what does alone mean for each of us? Or what does being social mean to us? Yeah, on the flip side, I think that's yeah. good. I think it gives us some freedom to to go from. Yeah, what does being social and being alone mean to each of us, which would be very different? Well, we're kind of similar in some sense. <laughs> <laughs> but things we we'll read see. or things we, 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 we see other people talking about might give us be different, different yeah. perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been an hour, but I'm sure I'll ca- cut out half of this just to <laughs> make this tolerable to other people. Yeah, so we'll be back next week, I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. See you guys. Bye. hold hands as if it were the first time you hold someone's hand I love holding hands who doesn't oh I feel like I lost people people don't like holding hands with me who? maybe all my relationships like everyone people I kind of feel like all my relationships have been a lie like they <laughs> maybe no one ever actually really liked me maybe it was just all my head they only loved you <laughs> <laughs>